1: Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
0: Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast.
1: Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to to bat, bat, Brett Boone. Hey, welcome everybody. It's time for the Boone Podcast, the third podcast of the week. I'm the executive producer of the Boone Podcast. Rich Herrera along with Gold Glover, Silver Slugger. And uh Marriott Lobby Lizard Brett Boone on the podcast today. Where are you, Booney? I am in it is getaway
0: day, Rich. I'm here in uh lovely Chicago, Illinois. And uh I'm out here seeing Jakey. Jakey's playing in the Frontier League and uh drug dad with me. Well actually Now that I'm looking at it, he drugged me because it's been a lot of work lugging that old man around for three days. But
1: You leave Bob Boone alone. He's my favorite Boone of all of them. I'll tell you, when we
0: got a Jake Boone trip coming up, believe me, Brett is, I I am kicked to the curb. It's like, it's all about Jake. It's all about grandpa and and grandson. And I had that relationship with my grandpa, so I know how much it means to him. It's very cool. And
1: uh, Okay, so let's set up for everybody exactly where Jake is and what he's doing. Because we haven't talked a lot about Jake. I'm turning two with Boone. So Jake Boone is the eldest of the four Boone kids. No, uh, he's not. You're wrong already. Oh, wait a minute. I'm wrong already? All right. Savannah Boone. Is oh, Savannah's the oldest. oldest. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So Savannah's the oldest, then Jake. Then Jake. Yeah. So Jake went to Torrey Pines High School, then played college baseball at Princeton. Pretty smart right. kid.
0: Right. Real smart kid. And he'll let you know that he's smarter than you. Him and dad have battles because dad is a Stanford grad. Right. So then the Princeton comes home and Jake, you know, those Princeton guys are a little snobby. So, so, but it's for the first time because growing up, uh, Aaron and myself, we went to USC, which, you know, prominent university, but it's not a, it's it's not a Stanford. Right. So dad would always have that one up on us from an academic perspective. Yeah. Well, yeah, C's nice, but it ain't Stanford. Well, now Jake can kind of equal him. It's they dead. Stanford's pretty nice, but I don't know if academically it stacks up to Princeton. So no, very cool. Yeah, he he, Jake, he uh, signed with the Washington Nationals out of Princeton, uh, played with them for a year, and and there was a real log jam for him in in Washington. Um,
1: they had made a bunch of trades. They got they had a bunch, bunch of trades. It, it,
0: was the, it was that Scherzer time. Scherzer got traded. Soto got traded. Schwarber got traded. Uh, Trey Turner got traded. And when that happened, they had a huge influx of, of young at the low minor league level, a lot of influx of talent. So there was a log jam down there. And a lot of guys weren't getting that, that five or six days a week that you normally get in the minor leagues. And I got we got to a point with Jake to make a decision. It's like, hey, you want to play here three days a week and kind of be in a log jam? Or do you want to get out? and see if you can play. And, and now Richwood, the way major league baseball is going is they, the frontier league leagues like that uh, independent baseball is becoming more mainstream because major league baseball is, is cutting back on their, uh, on their uh, affiliates. They eliminated 40 teams uh, probably two or three years ago. And they, they cut the draft down from 70 some odd rounds when I was, when I was signing out of college and now it's <coughs> 30 some rounds. And I think as time goes on, I think the, the major league baseball owners, I think they're going to go more from a business standpoint is, Hey, go to the independent leagues, let them develop the young players. And then we come in and then we pay the independent ball teams, you know, whatever the fee is, 15, $20,000 and we get that player. So from a business standpoint, it makes sense. Uh, and it just a better opportunity for Jake, and uh, you know he's doing good. He made big strides from last year to this year. This is a big year for him, though. You know, playing at 23, it's a time to kind of put up and and really dominate this this league to to move on with your career. But it's it's a lot of fun watching his journey.
1: So and we've changed it now from player pro, from player procurement, where it used to be just straight player development. So if I'm if I'm the Seattle Mariners, I'm going to have one A ball team, one rookie league, one A ball. 1AA1AA but I can look at all these independent teams and go wait a minute I got a guy like Jake who's 23 look at he's tearing the cover off of that independent ball in in Chicago I can grab him right now and slot him into high A or double A if that works yeah and, and, and you know people
0: a lot of people ask me I I didn't know what to expect when I came out here and I watched the games I didn't know what to expect how good's the competition going to be I'll tell you especially on the offensive side mm-hmm. there's some talent uh, from the hitting standpoint, here there's there's experienced guys. I mean, there's guys that have been in AAA, Double A, AA, and are 27, 28 years old. So they're they're polished professional hitters. Uh, and and then once in a while, you'll you'll see some good pitching, but it's really hit or miss. That's what I've noticed in this league. The hitting's well above the pitching, if that makes sense. But uh, opening night here, we got here for the first night, and there's a new guy that that they were excited about their their number one starter he was throwing he pitched a nine inning shutout and shut these Mm. guys out and now the next two days i've seen their opposing team that they're playing right now score 22 runs so like i said the hitting's ahead of the pitching in this league but once in a while you'll see a guy you know hitting 95 96 so it's it's good I'd, i'd put the level at in between an a ball and a double a uh from a from a competition standpoint
1: because i always remind people The best high school player that your city has ever, ever, ever produced never got to professional baseball, never got to the big leagues, maybe got stuck in rookie ball and never made it out of there. So when we're talking about guys that are playing minor league baseball, these are the best that you've ever seen in your hometown.
0: Well, it's interesting too. You know, when I worked uh, with the A's in the minor leagues, that's the first thing you see out of the draft. You see that hometown kid from some small town and he was the guy, he was the cat's meow. And now he was, he was a, he was a big fish in a small pond. And now all of a sudden he's a small fish in a big pond. And, and but then, but then you see as as they go on throughout their career, the the real players that are going to make it and make a career out of this, they separate themselves and usually separate themselves pretty quickly. So I I don't know. I think the whole process is interesting. I, I I've seen this side of the ledger. I see what it takes and and the dedication these young players, not just in independent baseball but in the minor leagues in general, and it. it puts a smile on my face because I know how rigorous it is, how hard it is when these guys make it at a 27 and 28 years of age. uh, We just talked
1: about Drew Maggi who finally made it up to the big. I mean,
0: it's awesome. And, and to the general public, the, the typical fan, I hear a lot of these players, they're overpaid and they're this and that, but I said, the sacrifice that these guys give up, you know, a 27 year old guy that makes it to the big leagues for the first time and maybe ends up getting, making a five or six year career out of it. What he gave up 27, basically he's given his life up. He's dedicated, right. dedicated himself to his craft and, and to see guys like that one day when they make it, it it's really cool. And it's really rewarding because being that I did this a long time for a career, I know the rigors and what it takes. Not only in the minor leagues, but then if you, if you're fortunate enough to get to the big leagues to stay in the big leagues, it's really hard. And that's why you only see the best of the best. So, uh, yeah, it's it's fun journey. It takes me back uh, thirty years to to when I was just starting
1: all this, and, and it's really cool. Okay, so l- let me ask you this: I'm looking on on social media today. I see the bone the Boone twenty nine. And I know that you're at the game, so I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if Brett's standing there, front row, screaming, "Yeah, come on, let's go, Jake, get a hit." Or I'm out of,
0: I, I'm usually out of sight, out of mind. But they wrote me into this. I know what you're. I talking
1: did about. see a video of you chipping golf balls.
0: Yes the uh, the general manager on the came field down. during during in the middle of the game. He came down and he said, Booney, in the eighth inning, you know, we we pick pick a." Sometimes they do it a player, a pitcher that's not pitching that night versus somebody in the crowd. I happened to draw one of the pitchers. It was it was me against uh, one of their pitchers that was down that day, wasn't going to pitch. So we went out there in the eighth inning. There's a lot of pressure, though, because, you know, Jake's looking at me going, Dad, don't screw it up. Right. I'm thinking it's I'm hitting off a of mat. Don't hit it fat. Don't hit it. Don't hit it long. But at the same time, I, I'm not really worried about hitting a great shot. I'm just worried about saving face and not embarrassing myself. So actually I hit I hit a great shot and then I and I'd won, I'd beat the guy before me and I said, give me another ball. I want to see if I can hit it closer That rubbed him a little bit wrong like did you have to rub it in then I hit the second one even closer. So I was impressed with my uh, my two swings yesterday.
1: Okay, so that brings me to my point is take us along on this road trip. So it's you, it's Bob, because I'm sure this brings back memories of you being in the minor leagues and maybe a family member came to see you. Maybe I think Sue probably came to see you play in the minor leagues. Maybe Aaron tagged along. Uh, maybe Ray got a chance. Yeah. Um, what's it like for you sitting on the stands watching Jake with your dad? It's, I, I
0: give dad a hard time because he's always taught, you know, he goes one at bat. Jake would have a great at bat. He hits a bullet in the gap. And his next at bat, he'll roll over a ground ball, and, and he couldn't praise Jake more after that bullet in the gap. How far he's come, and how good he looks. And the next at bat, he's rolling over. He goes, "See what he gets? Is he gets he gets swinging too hard?" And I'm like, "Dad, it's one at bat. Did you forget how hard it is to hit?" And uh, but you know what? I I had the same relationship with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he was tough on me. He'd do the same thing. I'd be waiting. He'd be waiting for me after the game. We'd be in San Diego playing the Padres. I'd come out and I could go three for four and Gramps would first thing he'd say to me, what happened that fourth at bat? And I'd say, you know, I was a little older, a little wiser by, by that time in my life. And I knew it was coming. I'd say, Gramps, what about the three good ones? He goes, well, I, those are obvious. They were good. I want to talk about that fourth one. How'd you give that, how'd you get that fourth at bat away? That's just the way it was. That's what grandpas do. And, as a dad, yeah, grandpa, I'm calling my dad grandpa now, he'll wear me out during the game with 80 different scenarios. But I, I sit back and I, and I think, you know what, as much <laughs> as I get annoyed and frustrated, this is beyond cool, you know, to be able to sit there and share uh, this moment, not only with my son, but with my pops who who has dedicated his his life to this game and, and has been and, you know, played forever and has been an executive forever. And he's he's kind of coached and managed. He's kind of been there, done that, seen everything. It's really cool to see when Jake has a good game. I mean, could, could grandpa be a prouder grandfather? No, he was just like my grandpa. Yeah, I mean, he's just walking around beaming from ear to ear, just waiting for somebody to ask him about his grandson. Hey, is
1: that your kid?
0: Yeah, so it's really it, it's it, as much as I as I give Dad a hard time. It's really I, I feel pretty darn fortunate to be able to sit there and, and three generations of baseball just getting getting to be a part of that.
1: Well, now four generations with Jake playing professional. Well,
0: if he if he doesn't screw it up, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, there you go. So you're getting ready when he has kids, and you go to the game, and you'll you'll ask your I'll, I'll be the, I'll
0: be that guy. I'll be that yeah. guy, and they'll be like, ah, that's
1: what grandpas do, you know. So okay, so wait a minute. Let me let me let me go let me go down this rabbit hole a little bit more of and that's one of the things I loved when I I come out of the clubhouse after the game I was running to go do the post game show but I'd see all the dads and kids waiting for the player to come out describe that moment after the game in the tunnel away from the cameras the, the reporters like me are gone and either it's a little kid running to hug his dad or a son coming out to see his father, because you now you get to experience both. So talk to me about what it was like when you were a little kid and Bob would come out after the game and you're waiting in the family area. Uh, you know, when you're a little
0: kid, you don't really care. It's like, yeah, as you get a little bit older, you you kind of are wise enough to know, did dad have a good game? Did they lose? Did they win? The, kind of the mood he's going to be in. And my dad was always really good at leaving the game in the locker room. But that uh, hug that he would give you, or you'd go yeah. give him a hug. Dad was really good at separating. And and I think that comes with experience. It comes with uh, just maturity in the game. I know as a young player in the game, I had a tough time leaving that the game at the ballpark. And, and now when I get into having young kids and it's like, I I need to find out as this is beyond the game now. I need to have my kids. I can't bring my bad attitude because I didn't get any hits tonight or we lost the game or I made an error. This is real life now. Now it's dad and they don't care how many hits I got, especially when these kids are three, four years old. They don't care how many hits I got. They just know that dad's coming home to drive them home and get up early in the morning and take them to school. So you learn to separate that. So once again, as a little kid, I didn't care i didn't worry about it yeah i knew it was going to be especially as i was getting a little bit older i'd be seven eight nine now i knew it was going to be a little nicer of a car ride if dad got a couple hits and they won but at the same time i knew it wasn't going to be a car a bad car ride if they lost and dad went 0 for 4 because he he really he really separated that that well i try to do the same thing i try to mirror to be honest with you i try to mirror how i was brought up uh I try to mirror that behavior with my kids. Always have. I, I wasn't so that a little guy.
1: Savannah, little blonde Savannah's, you know, five years old, running to see daddy.
0: Oh sure, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna give her the biggest hug in the world. But when when I'm talking about going to their sporting events, I didn't want to oh, be seen. Well, so that, That's where I was
1: gonna go next.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to make a big deal that you know Brett Boone, especially at the time when I was still an active player. You know, you go to a, a baseball game; it's a big deal when the big leaguers in the stands, and I I <laughs> never Brett wanted. Boone. I never wanted to to make my kids feel that way. You know, they got enough pressure on them anyway. I always try to just divert that away from it. And like today, you know, Jakey had a uh, he got a he got a knock. They lost, made a couple good plays in the field, and he had a couple good at bats. But he, you know, the umpire was a little wayward, which they can be in a ball. And he thought he got he thought he got screwed on a couple pitches. And the first thing he's like, "How about that third bat?" You know, and that's usually what he wants to talk about. But I usually stay away from the critique or the praise. Now, if he has a really good game, I'll just kind of give him a smile and go, that's pretty good today, kiddo. And and now we're talking about where we're going to dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he had a real rough one, uh, I'll leave that for later. And it's kind of, hey, it, it happens. You know, we've all had these rough ones. I've had a million of them. And later on, maybe at dinner, maybe he'll want to talk about it. What'd you see in that third at bat? Now is when I, now I'm dad, the coach, that, that will give him advice, but I'm rarely... Uh, the one initiating the conversation if that makes sense I, i'm waiting for him to come to me if he comes to me uh okay sit down and let's talk about this but but i let him come to me because I, I know this game day-to-day basis hitting a baseball at the professional level probably the toughest thing to do in sports and i appreciate that and and i don't i don't discount that when talking to him uh, but i'll tell you watching here's what i found Watching the kids at the pro level, it's really, it, it's really nerve wracking. I mean, I remember as a player, I'm down there. Yeah. I want to get some hits. I'm grinded, but it's me trying to get some hits a- and I have complete control of the situation we you're up in the stands and all you can do, you've seen them work, you know, to get to this point. Uh, you want to see them do good so bad. It's, it's like, it's way more nerve wracking than being a player.
1: And I'll tell you this, this is great advice for any little league parents or grandparents out there. Um, on the way home, don't talk about the game. Let them bring it up. Don't yeah, you
0: bring it that's up. It's a time to be a mom or a dad. And, yeah. and one and day he's gonna come to you and he's gonna wanna talk Because if you if you if you constantly wanna wanna break down what just happened uh as as a player i know this you don't want to hear that now like i said when i got to the big leagues i was a little older a little more mature right. i knew it's coming from grandpa but for right. little kids no i i was just hey let's go get a snow cone let's go hang out with my friends go fishing go do whatever we do let kids be kids i always say that
1: and again as brett said is for for those of you that have older kids that are playing high school listen i probably cost my son rigney an opportunity to make the varsity at cathedral Catholic in San Diego because I'm standing there screaming like an idiot. Right, because right? you're you're that guy. I'm that, that guy. You're and, that, and and that guy that looked I over. That I,
0: right. You're that guy that I have to go tap on the shoulder and say, Come here, come here with me, son, and I'll yeah. have a little talk with you how to bathe.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so there you go.
2: Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month
1: sexy manager windy city looks good richie he looks sexy. Good. yeah he's um you know
0: he's been doing it uh at the high school level for a few years now he lives up in bend oregon and uh he got a i got a you know we we're just talking this off season i knew this job was going to be available and we just talked uh briefly about it and he said you know brad i'd I, if it, if it's available uh, i'd really like that opportunity now richie got the job it wasn't me but I just over the offseason, he really started once he he signed and he was going to be the skipper. uh, I saw him change and really start taking this serious and really start. Yeah. Starting to do his homework and finding the players, because at this level in the independent baseball league, you've got to make phone calls and you've got to you've got to get your data in line and find out, hey, we need a third baseman. They got a third baseman uh, from the Netherlands. And he's a really cool kid and a good player, but that was tough, and it was a long negotiation to just get him over here. And uh, you know, so he did stuff like that. He went out and got pitchers uh, that you've got to find and make phone calls through his baseball connections. But I could tell how serious he was, and he really, he really is. I, it, it's amazing when you watch friends. Uh, I watch Aaron do it on the field their demeanor changes and they love it so much. And I can, I can see that little twinkle in Richie's eye. I mean, yeah, he wants to win every night, but, but he really cares. And, and the thing about Richie, he's a great personality. That's the thing about going into the coaching side or the managerial side of professional baseball, a guy like Richie Sexton hit 45 home runs, a couple of years had a great career. You get instant credibility when you walk in the room, Hey, that's Richie sex. that guy hit 45 home runs in the big leagues twice. Uh, it was a multiple time all-star of you get that credibility right away from the young players. Now, the thing is keeping that credibility and keeping that credibility is, Hey, you got to know what you're talking about. And most importantly, you got to be able to help these players. And when, when you can't help them, if, if, if there's a kid on that team that can't get a hit, he'll go to the peanut lady in the crowd to get it, to get a hit, if she could help him. So it's easy having the credibility out of the, out of the, uh, the game. From the get from the get go, but the tough part is keeping that credibility. Richie, I can tell already, and and once again, I stay out of it when I'm here. He's still my friend first, uh, manager second. But but when the game ends and and we have our time where we're buddies, um, I can see just being a part of being around those players. They really like him, and they really like playing for him, and that's half the battle. You know, being a manager, being a pr- people person, being able to handle. 25 26 personalities in that clubhouse to get the best you can out of each one of them that's the whole key to managing um, not everybody's gonna be happy with you all the time it matter of fact if 25 guys are happy with you all the time I think you're doing something wrong <laughs> Okay, you know? question so, then
1: question yeah. what kind of manager what kind of manager would Brett Boone be like I
0: would take uh I, I well I have a I have a <clears throat> my own personality I am the way I am uh, I I would take a little bit, you know. I got to play for some pretty darn good managers, you know. Davy Johnson being one that I really hold in the high. Uh I, I really respected how he managed. I played for Bruce Bochi. I really loved how he, Bruce was such a person guy. I mean, you can't help but love Bruce Bochi. I played for Lou pinella who was, you know, everybody kind of has been documented, he's my favorite all time. And he wasn't a person guy, and he was a different guy, he was a tough guy, he would test you. Uh, but I think I would take a little bit from from the different managers that I've had, and I'd kind of weave them into one. But I think first and foremost, it's about managing people. It's no different than being the CEO of a company. And, and if your top performer's a pain in the ass, that doesn't mean you fire them. That means... How do I keep my top performer to be the top performer? Well, maybe I got to treat him a certain way. Where this guy over here, who's who's mediocre, I treat him a little bit differently, especially at the big league level. It, it's not everybody's treated equally. That's that's a bunch of BS. You earned your treatment. You earn. I the treat respect. everybody
1: fairly. I just don't treat everybody the same way as what Jimmy cor- Johnson cor- used to say.
0: Correct. It, it, and it is about that. It's about being treated fairly. But my job as a manager is what? Bottom line: throw everything out the window wins and losses and, and if i can do my job managing people to get the best out of each individual and those different personalities those different egos in that locker room then i'm doing my job so that's how i would i would kind of present it
1: who okay so if i have you managing in the national league yes and i got another Boone managing in the american league who's gonna who's gonna win who's gonna get tossed more you or aaron
0: aaron I'm much more poised, and I and I have a way about. I know I I push it right up to the river's edge, and I know when he doesn't think that umpire doesn't think it's cute anymore. Aaron tends to go over that river's edge, so. But he's I, the nicest between the two of you. Well, he used to be that 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 person. No, out. I sat
1: with you two in San Diego. No. He's much nicer. You know, it doesn't than matter. You,
0: are. you you're too close to me, so it doesn't matter. But now, person, I I think in the in the in the professional world, I think it's flip flopping. I think Brett is becoming the the good guy, and Aaron's that guy with the cocky edge that gets thrown out all the games. So I'm kind of liking this. It's a role <laughs> reversal for me. It's something I've never had, but, you know, I'm really, as, as I get a little bit older, I'm really kind of enjoying it, Rich.
1: Right, well, I'm going to see. I'm going to go to Yankee Stadium next week. And
0: And by the way, who would come out on top? It doesn't matter. Who's got the better players? That's what it comes down to. There's only so much you can do as a manager. You can get the best out of what you got but if you don't have the horses, I don't care who you are. You can, all those managers I played for, Bruce Bochy, Lou Piniella, Davey Johnson, Bobby Cox, you can roll them all into one, find the greatest manager of all time. If you ain't got the horses, you're going to stink. By the way, you got
1: to tell tell me how Bob, how Bob enjoyed the trip as well. Did he, did he, uh, because I would love to sit and watch a game with Bob one day.
0: Well, the reason that we're not doing it from the room is because you know, my dad, he's like Mr. Magoo. He'd be walking in the background, getting in our shot, you know, so so, I had to come down here to the lobby, where well, the Wi-Fi is a little better.
1: <laughs> but does he sit there and analyze the game? Look at sure. this. Look at that. Oh, would oh, still be awesome.
0: Yeah, dad is still really really sharp. And and think about it. It's his. It's been his entire life. Yeah. You know. I mean, he, he's a teacher. I thought about it, and and 1969 he was drafted until a year ago. He had never, the beginning of a major league season, he had always been employed by a major league organization yeah, until recently. So to say that he's a lifer and, and this game's everything to him, I think would be selling it a little bit
1: short. I mean, I remember you told me a couple of years ago, he went and all of a sudden you look around and there's Bob working with catchers.
0: Oh Yeah. Yeah. Oh, believe me. And it's great because that's what they want. Hey, Bob is yeah. in the house, you know? <laughs> And, and, uh, that's, that's invaluable. And, and dad can give you so many subtle tips, especially in the catching area that right. that a lot of these catchers, you know, they'll go, Oh, I get to work with Bob Boone for a half hour. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. And he loves doing it and he's passionate about it. And, uh, you know, sometimes he he is kind of an old school guy. Uh, you know, he's he's trying to accept this new way. He doesn't like he doesn't like those catchers getting on one knee. But the basic fundamentals of catch throw, and and calling a game and just the subtleties it's really cool to listen to him talk because i was the farthest thing from a catcher so somebody like that that is so accomplished even as his son that that i've taken it for granted my whole life uh it, it's cool for me to listen to something that's kind of outside my expertise catching you know mm-hmm. i never paid i never paid that much attention to to the catching position because i not only have i never suited up back there i was always a shortstop the second base no I wasn't allowed. Dad didn't let me.
1: Oh, that's right. You told me that. All right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, what club did you use when you were out there golfing?
0: Uh, a little pitching wedge, a little knockdown pitching wedge. Is that one of your yeah, about tw- eight feet? Eight feet. No, How that was your... just out of the bag. That was. Just oh, out okay. Of the you, bag. Didn't, yeah, you didn't. They, get, they got a bag there.
1: You're not like the guy that goes to top golf and brings his own clubs, is he?
0: No, no. Come That's on, me. By that the way, guy. I do that. The, the, the problem is, is you bring your own clubs and and you're not good and and you don't have a good showing. It's like how about that guy who brought his own clubs and he still stinks? <laughs> that would be
1: me. No, that would be me. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not Brett Boone with a great, with a great set of clubs. Like I, I, got my clubs in the last pro am I played with. We got uh, free irons for playing in well, the well, a, a pro
0: am. What, what's your number, Rich? What's your what's your index? I don't even know. And to the golfers out there, if you don't yeah, even know what an index is, then I, if I, you don't know if you don't know what your index is, you don't need custom clubs. You just grab I've never it off broken a hundred. You grab it off the rack and you just practice more.
1: I wouldn't have had them fitted. Yeah, well. No one had a custom fitted. It's, it's, it it's not going to no, hurt. It's not going to hurt. No, it didn't. I, listen, I'll, I'll hit a couple of nice shots. It's not like i Brett Boone where I've got the, you know, the, the creme de la creme of clubs.
0: Well, you might want to go out and, and invest in the creme de la creme. Well, if I got shoot.
1: if I got great yeah, clubs, what so how what would I do? So, what
0: do you shoot hundred now? You probably shoot hundred and two with your new custom clubs. You'd be all <laughs> excited, thinking, "Oh, this is going to make a big difference." And really, you got to go to yeah. The but I'm a little jealous. Where t- you got to tell everybody
1: where you went last
0: week? You got to go to the range. Uh, no, and I've I've been fortunate. I uh, Monday oh Monday was fun. I went to the to the Kingdom down in San Diego and at the tailor-made fitting got fit. Uh, we by, got uh, okay.
1: Back up. You got see. Listen, you just assume all of us know what it's like to be Brett Boone. Explain to us what the kingdom is and how I would actually be able to go. The kingdom
0: is where all the pro golfers go down. You see the tailor made, uh, you'll see videos where all the pros go and they work on their shots and they, and they tweak their irons and they get their clubs fitted for them. So I got invited buddy of mine, uh, Greg and, and, uh, why am I, why am I blanking on, uh, Perry Perry's the gentleman that, that fit me. He fits all the pros and, uh, I'll tell you i had a blast because one thing i don't do i've never done is go to the range and hit balls the no. range for me is to practice. warm up We're and get my about practice right get my body loose that's why i go to the range not to practice but it's really cool to to work with the guys at the highest level and and him saying brett you might want to change this you do you want to be a really good player i'm a six index do you really want to be a scratch so this, is player? this is Perry. This is Perry. The, this is Perry. The custom club fitter. Right. Greg is Greg is my buddy. He works there at the kingdom as well. He does fittings, but he wanted me to be fit by Perry for whatever reason. So, uh, I got fitted by him. He was great. They they both were tremendous. It was it was a it was a really fun afternoon. And like I said, when I go to the range, I usually don't have fun. Now let me rip some balls. Let me get out of here. But they were giving me some tips and he's like, Booney, if you ever want to be like a really like a real player, you got to change your grip and this and that. And he was changing my grip and I was hitting shots and it was starting to feel a little bit better as time went on. And uh, really cool experience. And I, I wanted to give them a shout out. Thanks for having me out to the kingdom.
1: Could I go? For a fee. Do you think it would help? Um, I
0: this, now I'm being serious. For yeah. you, really a non-golfer, you, right. like you said, you never broke a hundred. Uh, I'm, I'm going to use my stock answer for for the people ask me about my baseball career. Did it, did it help growing up in a in a major league family? And my answer now is, I don't know if it's going to help you, Rich, but it's not going to hurt you. Right. See, it, it's a great answer. It, right. it works for everything across the board.
1: No, where is where is the kingdom? Carlsbad. Carlsbad, North San Diego, North San Diego. So all the North, North all, County, North County.
0: Yeah. That's where all the tailor-made guys, the guys that, that, uh, play tailor on the tour. That's when they're in the area, they all go down there and that's kind of their big, their big headquarters where, where they all get their, you know, their clubs tweaked. And, uh, like I said, it's fun. A lot of
1: fun. I mean, that must be pretty cool. I mean, you're with guys that are with tour TaylorMade tailor-made players.
0: Yeah getting your numbers and i don't really know what the numbers mean but they do and they do hey you gotta get your spin spectacular. lower yeah it was fun it was
1: fun. Yeah, so, all right so shout out to everybody at taylor made uh for for having boonie come down there and get some uh some club fitting and, and by the way it's kind of funny it's like um there's three thing all three things all men think they could do build a fire run a hotel and run a baseball team and then anybody who plays golf thinks that they can help everybody else because you've been getting golf tips didn't? What did what did uh Daily tell you the other day? John Daly.
0: Stop swaying on my back leg. And he's he was watching video of my you know T ball. And he said your back leg is swaying. That's gonna make you inconsistent. And uh that was in the back of my mind when I was hitting balls down at the range. And I'm thinking because they're they they've got me on this, you know, they they're keeping all my numbers and and we're video. finding out what those yeah. You want to get the spin rate down. My problem is the spin. Uh, my problem is the height of the ball. I, I gotta get my I gotta get down to more of a tour trajectory. Uh, you, you play with a really good player and they and it doesn't matter the conditions, the wind's in your face, they flight the ball down, and it's really fun to watch. Where guys like me, I'll try to flight it down, but I'll probably flight it down once out of every three shots. And to see guys that can do it at will, uh, it's pretty cool to watch. Learn more at marines.com. All
1: right. I wanted to talk about something baseball-wise. Some chatter this week. Blue Jays are taking on the New York Yankees. Blue Jays are popping off at uh, Mm -hmm. at Aaron Judge, whether he's peaking or not, stealing signs. Can we go down the rabbit hole of that for just a minute?
0: Uh, Yeah, I saw it. I heard about it. I didn't see it live. Uh, And I I always, I, I never when I'm watching this, when something happens in the game, I'm never quick to judge because there's always a backstory. Right. So, and people don't take that in consideration a lot of the time. So I'm watching and uh, he did the, the particular at bat where he ended up hitting a ball about 480 feet for a homer, his eyes went towards the dugout four times in the same at bat and he didn't do it. And I know when something like that happens, especially uh, to the, to a player with the, with the, uh, pedigree not pedigree, but, but just where he ranks in the game, you know, an MVP a year ago, when, when something happens to a player of that caliber, yes, all eyes are going to be on you. People are going to be breaking it down. They're going to be going through film. Does he do this all the time? Nobody's come up with any other time. So it's very rare. He hit a, he hit a home run earlier in the game and his eyes weren't moving. Uh, but that particular bat four times, And and I watched it over and over again. And I thought, if anything, I don't know these people. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example, Rich. Peeking, which a lot of people are, you know, uh, when you peek back at the catcher to see where he's set up. I can be be on it. Inside,
1: outside. Am I trying to get inside, outside, location, or am I trying to get pitch? Trying to get location. Okay.
0: Now. In all my years of playing minor leagues and the big leagues, I can be dead honest with you and say I have never peaked one time in my life because I was so scared. Because those catchers, when they're putting the signs on, they're looking at you constantly. Mm-hmm. I was so scared of getting caught, I would never do it. Now, I wasn't above the, if a first base would coach would come to me and say, Booney, I got the signs, do you want them? That catcher's really keeping his right leg open. He's He's... You know, giving me the signs, I can see him. I said, if you got him for sure, I'll take him. And I might glance at the first base coach right before the pitch is delivered. I've done that before. Now, if I get a, if I get a guy at second base and a guy that I really trust, and there are guys out there that really are good at this, at at breaking down their sequence and really figuring out that puzzle we used to call it of of guys giving signs. It's the third sign after two, and you know, it depends. But there's guys that are really good at deciphering that. And if I had a guy like that and say, Booney, do you want him if I get on second base? I'd say, absolutely, because I trust X. So he get on second base. He might drop one hand, and that's a fastball. He might drop two hands, and that's a breaking ball. I'll use that all day long. Now, with that being said, each player knows going in to that scenario that there if you are caught, there is a price to be paid. I knew that when I was doing it. I knew that on the other side when they were doing it. So if I'm on defense and I think somebody's relaying a sign from second base, I'll go have a little chat with them. I'll have a chat with my pitcher. We'll mix the signs up. We'll see if he gets it right. If he's given signs, given not by the way, the pit, the hitter reacts. And if I think you're relaying signs and I'm convinced in my mind, that's bad news for you. Sometime in that game, it might not be that game, but sometime somewhere down the line, we're going to get you and it's going to hurt. Now, on the other side, I knew the price to be paid if I were to get if I get caught looking at my first base coach and he's relaying me signs and they catch me, there's a price to be paid for that as well. I know I'm gonna wear one eventually. And when I do wear it, I'm gonna go to first and I'm gonna tip my cap and it's over with. We're all we're all we're all square. Again. No, are you still so, gonna
1: be are you still gonna be peeking? Or once they catch you, they drill you, you're done. I'm not gonna do it anymore.
0: Well, that means I didn't do a very good job. No, no, I'm not peeking. Remember, I never peeked at a catcher. No, I'm ever. sorry.
1: Yes. Okay, so if I get caught peeking and I get right. drilled, I tip my cap, go to first base. What happens if I come back up the next time and do the same thing?
0: Hey, you're probably not going to do it in that series. You, you probably have a target on your back that hey, okay. they're watching you pretty close. So you're you you want to be subtle. And this by by the way, Rich, this didn't happen very often. This probably happened a handful of times in my career, uh, getting it from someone outside a, a base coach. Right. Very rarely because they're going to be on to you. These catchers are so good. Now they're going to keep their legs. Now they're doing it on their wristbands. So, and the, and the pitcher has an earpiece. It's a different generation. Now they're not even giving it signs anymore. I, it was interesting. I talked to my dad about it. I said, what happens if, if they get your signs, they, they decipher your signs? He said, well, that's time for me to give better signs. Your dad is a catcher, right? He said, if they're picking my signs, I might must not be very good at giving those signs. I've got to get better at giving them. I got to get my legs closer together so nobody can pick them up. And I've got to really make it between the pitcher and myself. I've got to make it just about impossible to break down that code, whatever we've got going between us. So he took it that way. Um, and like I said, this doesn't happen all the time. As far as the Aaron Judge things going on, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I can just say from a player standpoint and what other players see optically, it was not a good look, especially when you end up hitting the ball 480 feet.
1: Now, as the second baseman, you've you've told me before, I'm not sure if we said on the podcast or not. You maybe you told me on CBS that uh, I'll go warn you, hey, Herrera, knock it off, because if right. you don't, you're going to wear one. Correct. So, what, so how's that conversation go?
0: It's just a casual. How are you doing? Hey. What we got going on here? What are you talking about, Booney? You giving you giving the signs? I think you no, are. No, no, no. Okay, I'm watching. They know, and usually right then they'll quit doing it
1: because they got caught. We're,
0: we're on to you. You got caught. You they'll quit doing it. The guys that continue to do it, I'm not going to go get in a fight with them there. I'm just going to tell my pitcher he's still picking your pitches, and now my pitchers are going to do what they do.
1: Because it's because that's up to the pitcher whether he wants to drill them or not.
0: Right. Getting drilled in the game. I'll, I'll tell you this. Everybody thinks it's the manager. It's this and that. Very rarely is it a manager that has any say. It's usually a veteran bullpen that is watching the game. They police themselves. I've had guys when I've got hit for no reason. And, and I was hit on purpose. Let's say I had a bullpen full of guys <laughs> that were going to get somebody for them getting me. And they wouldn't even tell me sometimes, but I knew and I I'd be playing defense and that guy would come up and he'd get drilled usually one of their better players and that pitcher would kind of give me a look like all right we're even got you and and as a player when your teammate does that for you you appreciate stuff like that that that's team camaraderie that that really that makes for a cohesive unit in that clubhouse
1: what happens if it doesn't if it doesn't happen um then you get sore feeling.
0: It depends how obvious it was. You know, just because you get hit doesn't mean somebody has to go down. But if it's you know not it's obvious. Uh, usually more, t- if if the obvious times, and I didn't get hit on purpose that often. I know it's hard to believe. You'd think people want to drill me all the time. But <laughs> I, I can tell when you're hit trying to hit me on purpose and when it just gets away from you. I didn't get drilled that often on purpose, but the times that I did, it was so obvious. I don't remember a time where my where my teammates didn't
1: take care of business. I like it. All right, um, we got to talk about the staple of the program on Fridays. What's Boone watching? Boone, you've been on the road.
0: I'm not watching anything, Rich. I, I hate to disappoint, but the Boons watch what Boons watching segment is is kind of really week gonna. This, it's it's weak. Week. I've what do watched you watch the plane. I've, I've watched absolutely nothing. I haven't been watching anything on the plane. Uh, What do you you do? Do you read a book on the plane, or what do you do? Do you sleep? I try to sleep, and uh, I hate to admit it because I'm not proud of it, but but I'm a big TikTok guy. <laughs> I'll I'll tune into that what? Oh. Yeah, I'll I'll tune in. I I mean, I used to make fun of my kids for What are you doing? I like make TikTok fun of you day. for that. Oh man, and and I get going and next thing you know, it's 2 hours later and I'm still watching TikTok and we're about ready to land. So, uh, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been watching on on the plane. I I catch myself after a while though. And I said, "But this is so silly, but it's so entertaining because they know what you like and they how, know what makes you, you laugh." How old are you? I'm 54. Yeah. And, and, uh, my you're, kids have really you're like damaged a junior me. high kid. Yeah. They've they really damaged me. So, TikTok has been next week. I'll have, I, I got some new shows. I'm not going to reveal them here, but next week I'll, I'll give you an update.
1: Can I just tell people that you and I'll have conversations? You'll send me a TikTok. And I'm like, Booney, what are you, are you, what are you, a junior high kid? What are you watching TikTok for?
0: I'll tell you, it's addicting. It's, it, I'm not, it is. I'm, you and I'm still not, still and back. I'm not,
1: I'm not proud of it. No. Uh, I got one for you. Yes. So I went last week, and I and as we're recording this, and hopefully he'll get it this week, so it won't be a surprise. We will the surprise. You know, we've been talking about the Terminalist. Terminalist, yes, and, excellent. Uh, yeah. So it's the they're sent the second season is going to come out on Amazon Prime, the Jack Carr series. So Jack Carr's new book just came out this week.
0: Oh, one in one in the long line of yeah, one of the the long line just
1: came out. Very cool. And I he was up in Scottsdale uh, doing an autograph signing, and I tried to get a ticket to go to the autograph signing because I wanted to get one for my son Rigney, who's who's a big fan, and I couldn't get the the, they sold out like that. Two two different autograph signings all sold out. So I went and I was all crying, and I was you know I wore a shirt that said Navy Dad on it, and had the had a ship's hat on it, and everything that he's going to go out on this summer. So is there any way? Is there one extra copy of the book? The people are so nice, they got me a personalized autographed copy for him. Very good. Um, so that book should be delivered to the academy any day now. But I also reached out to Jack Carr, and he says he wants to come on the podcast.
0: Very cool. So, so, so you're right. It gets, I like, I love segments like that. I love when we have the Doug Ellens of the world, I love, yeah, have the actors because it's. I'm a fish out of water with them. I don't know anything about their life and and how they roll, especially a guy that that wrote. Uh, i want to know what 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 made you write that what you know do yeah. you do you think they portrayed it well in the in the netflix did they did they do a good job? Is that what you meant it to be because the when I watched it, it was phenomenal. I got hooked about forty minutes into the first one. I was kinda on the fence, and then all of a sudden there was a twist, and i I don't want to give away the twist. I already talked about this but it sucked me in for the entire year. So I'll be waiting for that. That'll be cool having him on. Cause I want to ask him, I got some good questions for him about, about certain episodes.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're going to have him come on the show. So there you go. I was working this weekend. I was trying to do something nice for my son. It turns out we're going to get him to come. Finally, on the you're
0: contributing to the I, team.
1: I try my best. All right. O- Odyssey ready?
0: appreciates it. Yes. Thank
1: you so much. All right, here we go. Final thing we do on this version of our podcast turning to with boonie. And by the way, I want to remind everybody, uh, help grow the podcast help grow the podcast. If you're a fan of the podcast, you like what we're doing, make sure subscribe, download the Odyssey app, subscribe uh, on the Odyssey app, subscribe Apple, wherever you get your your podcast, give us a rating, give us a ranking. Uh, We would really, really appreciate it. Give us the five stars, give us a a little uh, rating, give us a review. That would be awesome. So the final part of our podcast, Mr. Boone... That we do every week is uh, we talk about Boone approved. So I was thinking about this uh, this week. I was running around up in Scottsdale, like I said, and I saw an autonomous driving car, first one I've seen in my with my own two eyes, real life. So it's this little this little car, and it's got sensors in the side, on top. It's got this spinning top of, on top of the car. It's like right. this little cup that spins on top. And and it's a self-driving car. You could get it like you get an Uber or a Lyft or whatever. You 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 get the QR code and the self-driving car comes and picks you up and it takes you wherever you want to go. So a lot of people have been take, talking about uh, AI, artificial intelligence. So I want to know for Brett Boone, self-driving cars are they or are they not Boone approved? Once again, uh, I, I,
0: can I add some context? Sure. All right, I think with the technology, and it's unbelievable uh, as we move on, things that that 20 years ago that that I'm seeing now, uh, it it's, the world's changing so quickly. I would have to say probably that the technology we have, if everybody just got in the car, never drove another car, the accidents would probably be down tenfold. There would <laughs> still be, wouldn't
1: back the car into the garage. Right
0: there there would still be the the occasional glitch i get it but probably from a safety standpoint on the you know from a mass across the country everybody that everybody that goes to work every day and drives it would probably be much more efficient a lot less car wrecks so i think it's a positive however i'm a little nervous about this ai stuff you know i was watching uh i was watching and i don't know it was one of the armed services but they had a robot with a gun. Yep. It was like a Terminator.
1: <laughs>
0: and I thought, I you know, when you, when you watch Terminator, I think it was the Air Force, right? When you watch the Terminator years ago, you think that we'll never see that in our lifetime. Well, it's here and it's spooky that, that at some point that would be a policeman. And it, that could do anything he wanted to you and is no matter what it was. And it's indestructible. It's a little scary for me. I don't really like AI. I mean, I'm fascinated with the technology and how efficient it is. It's going to put a lot of people out of work. And at the same time, I think for me, it's a little much too quick. So I'm going to say boom, not approved. (laughs) Would you
1: have, would you, did you ever watch the Jetsons as a kid? Yes. Remember they had Rosie, the robot, the maid. Right. So you're, you help around the house more than I do. No, I think those vacuums. You know, I think we're we're fine with the vacuums
0: that run. Would themselves. you have go, a full cool. blown, No. Would you do a full no. blown
1: robot that did the laundry?
0: No, I don't like that. It's creepy to me. It's creepy. <laughs> it's too much too soon. Okay. Maybe maybe that's my kids will be okay with it. Uh, I, I don't know if if I'm far in a, along in life now that that that's a bridge too far. <laughs> Boom! Not approved.
1: Not approved. AI driving cars, AI laundry robots, not approved. Correct. By the way, how are you getting back to the to uh, to the airport? Are you an Uber Lyft guy or are you a car rental guy?
0: We're a car rental guy. Car rental guy. Uh, you know, we're moving around so much, and and we're we're about eight miles from the stadium where we stay here in Chicago. So, it, it, you know, it just I don't want to have to call an Uber. Uber used to be great. Four years ago, Uber was unbelievable. But it ever it seemed like ever since we went through this pandemic, pandemic. thing, it, it's not as efficient as it used to be. So I get the car. We're headed out here. As soon as we get done this, I'm going to go pack up my stuff, and I'm gone.
1: All right. Uh, thanks to everybody for jo- joining us on the Boone Podcast. Please, please, please do me a favor. Give us a rating. Subscribe. Download the Odyssey app. Uh, and tell all your friends about the Poon Podcast. Brett, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'm glad you, you, had, it. I'm glad you had a nice time with your with your son and your dad. Um, must have been a wonderful trip. Can't wait to hear more about it next week, and we will talk to you next week right back here. You got on it. Journey Two with Boone. See you, everybody.